This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Episode 74 of the podcast, where we give you an inside view of aviation careers and help you achieve your goals. Today, we're getting an inside view into the scholarship process. Uh, You know, we created the aerospace scholarships because many of you wanted to know how to obtain money for your training and career advancement. When we started the guide, we didn't realize how large the number of aerospace scholarships available, but we've committed to placing them all in our directory online. Many of you have asked for a print or ebook version of the guide, so we decided to create an ebook for now. Uh, a printed version, meh, in the future. We'll, we'll get that done in the future. The ebook's uh, going to be available for download to premium members, and uh, also you can purchase the, uh, the annual membership uh, online for just $5 a month right now, so it's very, very affordable. Uh, make sure you sign up for our emails uh, are because of the fact that we will tell you when that guide comes out. But, uh, but today's podcast is understanding about scholarships. And uh, to help us with this process, I have with me somebody uh, who knows a lot about the process of applying for scholarships. Uh, And he'll give us an inside view as to the administration of aviation scholarships. I have with me Mark Dekorski. He's administrator of Nuvers Aviation Scholarships. uh, And uh, the scholarship is called, I forget the name of the scholarship. James C. Ray Flight Scholarship is what we're speaking of. All right, the James C. Ray uh, Flight Scholarship. He's also an accomplished flight instructor and business owner. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Thank Appreciate you, Carl. it. <laughs> uh, you've also just recently got awarded a master instructor, which fewer than 800 people in the United States have that designation. So, congratulations on that. Thank you very and, much. Uh, it's for a rewarding process. Rewarding and tough process for those that don't know what the. Uh, the uh, master instructor is it's like a continuing education course it's almost like a master's uh, in flight and what you have to do is you have to do uh, flight you have to actually teach you have to volunteer uh, so you actually have to become involved and get and get continuing education units in each of these different repositories uh, you can actually go out and we'll have a link to the master instructor process if you're interested in becoming a master instructor because I know a lot of you listening are instructors right now and I'll tell you, I, I was a master instructor from 2000 to 2002, and it really does help your instructing business because it allows you to place out there an advertisement that says, you're a master instructor, and also, if someone's looking for one and they go to the master instructors list, they're going to find you. So it's a great thing to do. Uh, but today we want to discuss scholarships. Uh, before we do that, Mark, I, I know uh, I'm involved in Polk State College, and the kids over there just really think you're the greatest thing, and, uh, and you're very involved in aviation. How did you get started in, in flying and, and get to the point where you are now? Um, I got started in flying when I was uh, about 14 years old. My parents used to send me to summer camp every year, which I immensely disliked. And uh, a friend of my parents, a friend of the family, uh, someone my parents' age, uh, was a private pilot. And uh, I was friendly with him uh, because he was involved in electronics and ham radio and so forth. And that was something that I was interested in when, uh, when I was that age. So uh, he knew I didn't like going away to summer camp, and uh, the way the process worked at, uh, at my home, as far as the summer camp went, was usually somewhere around February or March, my mother would hand me the magazine from the uh, New York Times, 
and in the back of it would be a listing of uh, advertisements for uh, summer camps. So uh, out of the blue, I received a clipping from this friend of the family of my parents that said, uh, send your kids to, uh, to camp solo in Bangor, Maine, and they'll learn to fly. So uh, I really had no interest in flying whatsoever, but I saw what the price tag was, and I figured when the time came and my parents asked me, where do you want to go to summer camp, I would show them the clipping, and I knew that they'd never spend that kind of money, and I figured this would get me out of summer camp because I would just stand my ground and say, guys, it's there or nowhere. And uh, much to my surprise, uh, when uh, I showed it to my mother, when she asked if I had chosen a uh, summer camp, she looked at it and said, oh, you'll need to speak with your dad about that. And then my dad came home and he looked at it and wanted to know where this sudden interest in flying came from. And I said, I've always wanted to do this, dad, you know. And uh, next day he said, well, okay, you can go there. And uh, I was... Uh, not so happy about that, but needless to say, I went up to uh, Bangor, Maine, and uh, went to uh, went to camp solo, and uh, uh, really liked it. And uh, usually at the other summer camps, I would do whatever I needed to do to make sure I'd get thrown out about the middle of the summer. But this one I liked so much that uh, I made it the whole summer. And then uh, liked it so much that I would work during the week after school and around the airport and everything of that nature so that I could uh, go take my flying lessons. So uh, flying then became something that uh, I was really interested in. And uh, it was from that point forward really just age that was holding me back to uh, achieve the various certificates. So you're... Getting into aviation, I, and this is fascinating, Mark, because I've known you for a while, was very serendipitous. You you really fell into it. You really, it seemed like you did this so that you could get away from going to summer camp, and all of a sudden you went and you found something you were interested in. It, it, it speaks volumes towards the summer camps that they have involved with Sun and Fun here. Uh, that's where we are right now doing this interview. Uh, and boy, I tell you, you never know what you're going to become interested in. You never know when you're, you're going down a path in your career. Uh, for me, as an example, I went towards computers. I love computers. But then again, uh, I said to myself, you know, my senior year, I absolutely love flying airplanes. And, and that's what I did. I went there into flying airplanes. And Bangor, Maine. Uh, how did you... Now, are you from the Maine area? Is that how you got involved? No, that just happened to be where Camp Solo was located. And, wow. Uh, I kept a... Uh, you have all your... And I'm looking at right now your E6B. Is this all from Camp Solo? That's from Camp Solo. As a matter of fact... Should we say what year it was or no? Uh, I think it was the <laughs> early 1970s. But wow. It's even got the... Uh, well, that that's what... I'm just looking at his E6B that says Camp Solo on it. And... And, and what's really important is giving people the opportunity to get involved in these career fields. And, and most importantly is for us as aviation because we love aviation. And, uh, and what we're going to talk a little bit about today is how to fund that. I remember what you just said in your conversation right before is that you, know, you thought they wouldn't send you there because it was so expensive. Uh, most people are afraid to get into aviation as a career because of the costs. Um, but there, are, there is money out there. There's lots of money out there that goes unused. Uh, you have experience in administering as a volunteer 
for the, this scholarship program. And, uh, and the name of the scholarship program is? James C. Ray James C. Scholarship. James C. Ray Scholarship. What's interesting is we have that scholarship out there, and it is going to be our scholarship of the week. Uh, and we have the Glider Scholarship as the, as the scholarship of the week. But the James C. Ray Scholarship has more than just a Glider Scholarship. So just touch on a few of those before we get involved in speaking about scholarships in sure, general. Sure, sure. Uh, the, the scholarship that's, uh, that are offered, uh, which are offered by the James C. Ray Scholarship Fund, um, first off, you need to uh, select the one that you're interested in, uh, which, if it's your first scholarship uh, with the James C. Ray Scholarship Fund, is going to be a solo scholarship. And uh, I would suppose later on in the interview we'd talk more about the specifics and so forth. Uh, so you start out with a solo scholarship and assuming that you uh, meet the requirements and achieve the uh, different objectives in the time frame specified, then uh, you can reapply for a certificate scholarship to complete your training. So for example, uh, you could choose a, a solo uh, glider scholarship to begin with. And uh, once you completed that successfully, you could then apply for a private pilot glider scholarship. Or perhaps you want to just start and solo in a glider, you can then apply for a private pilot, uh, uh, for a powered, uh, powered airplane, airplane single engine uh, scholarship for, that would be called a certificate scholarship versus a solo scholarship. Interesting. So there's many more than just one scholarship within the James C. Ray scholarships, uh, which is true of most scholarships. If you look at a scholarship site, you think, oh, there's just one scholarship, but there's many within there as a process involved. In other words, there's a solo, then we can go on to get our powered. There's even scholarships out there to get your Airbus rating, etc. So, so you really need to look to into places to find these. Uh, as far as finding scholarships, I know we have the scholarships guide, the aerospacescholarships.com, uh, and getting money for education and training. Uh, what has your experience been in trying to find scholarships in general? I mean, what have you heard about about people trying to find these things? Uh, good question. Um, really, my only experience in that aspect of scholarships would be when scholarship uh, applicants who potentially possibly did not receive a James C. Ray scholarship, uh, they might ask me where else they might go, or sometimes once people have successfully, excuse me, successfully completed their scholarship, uh, then they want to know what the next scholarship they can get is. Uh, my experience is that Sort of surprisingly, the information's not really readily available, and what is available isn't necessarily from the source. So the information that's readily available uh, isn't necessarily up to date or accurate, and uh, it's not so easy to find. Uh, I've looked uh, for different scholarship applicants uh, so that uh, we could try to help them find a, an appropriate scholarship for them and. Honestly, I haven't had a lot of success. And, and you know, that's uh, one of the things we've been trying to do with putting this directory together. And, and to add to that, you know, we, we only have, I think right now, about 
$850,000 of scholarships on our website. And we have maybe up to 120, 130 right now. I have over four or 500 I still have to verify. So the process of, of finding a good directory is tough because having a good directory is, is difficult. And, and, you know, we've made that commitment. You know, we have somebody on board that's actually going out there looking for them and keeping them up to date. And as you pointed out today, looking at our scholarships, you said, hey, listen, we have some information we need to update on, on the website. Uh, it really is difficult for people. And that's why I think that in general, People should continue to, to just go everywhere they everywhere they go, ask, hey, do you know about scholarships? Because that's what I do. That's when I'm out there putting this directory together. I have found just in the past month over 100 aviation-related and aerospace-related scholarships because of the fact that I ask everybody. And what's been happening is people are coming to me saying, hey, listen, I have this scholarship. So, you know, like I said, we're making a commitment to put more and more out there. But it's really frustrating. I mean, for you to help in helping people, and in in my trying to help people to find these scholarships. Um, but let's let's say someone does find a scholarship they want. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about the process, and you, not just talking about the process uh, with what you're involved with now with the James E. Ray, but also in general as far as how to apply for a scholarship. Uh, there are certain things that that are consistent throughout. If you want, you can use examples of, of the James C. Ray application, but how does somebody actually apply for a specific scholarship? Because it, it is a process. It, it is a process, and it's a great question, Carl. Uh, I can speak to the James C. Ray Scholarship Fund, uh, obviously, because that's the one I'm, interest, I'm, I'm involved in. Uh, the application process uh, is... Uh, Fairly straightforward. Uh, we review, uh, or I should say, all the applications are reviewed on a quarterly basis, and the uh, scholarships are awarded uh, quarterly. And uh, the uh, once awarded, the <coughs> recipient chooses any flight training provider that they like. Uh, that's entirely up to them. I uh, can't overemphasize, as I tell the people that are applying for the scholarships, the importance of choosing not only the right flight training provider, but uh, actually uh, the actual instructor uh, is, is so important. Getting back to the application process, all that really needs to be done in our instance is that you go to the, uh, the website and uh, you download the appropriate application. Uh, it will give you on the application the basic requirements of the scholarship, uh, such in our instance, one example would be that you need to be attending a Polk County uh, high school and or uh, homeschooled in Polk County. And uh, that would be one of the requirements. There are other requirements and they're spelled out on the application. Once the application's completed, uh, the application is either mailed by snail mail or emailed to me uh, and then uh, we the applications reviewed that someone uh, meets the basic requirements and very importantly that they've completed the application not only the form but have also attached the required documents um, for example one of the documents in in our scholarship uh, one of the few documents that we, we require would be the uh, school transcripts uh, and the reason that we ask for that is one of the requirements of the scholarship is that you need to have no less than a 2.75 GPA which is necessary to uh, 
keep that 2.75 or greater in order to retain the scholarship. So we review it uh, for completeness. Uh, then what we'd like to do is we have a meeting with the applicant, uh, understanding it's going to be a high school student. We, we uh, ask that at least one of their parents uh, attend the meeting. And the purpose of the meeting is uh, sort of multifold in that uh, we uh, like to answer whatever questions anyone might have uh, about the, uh, the scholarship. Uh, and you get some really good questions. Uh, and uh, at the same time, during the discussion, that, uh, the, the meeting that we have, uh, we like to get to know the person that's applying a little bit, uh, see based on uh, how they answer questions and how they interact, what we consider their likelihood of completing the scholarship properly, uh, what kind of support they might get from their parents uh, and their family, uh, and um, just interact with them. and. Uh, just the application process itself helps us a lot to see uh, what the likelihood is that someone will complete. For example, if an application is received and it's been half filled out, sloppily written in pencil, and none of the required documents are going to be attached, well, we probably figure that possibly this person hasn't taken it seriously or maybe maybe they're not even really interested in it. Maybe someone's uh, helped to motivate them and hasn't necessarily succeeded. Or any variations thereof. Uh, making simple appointments, things of that nature, just sort of conducting day-to-day -day business and, uh, and, and see how they do there. You, know, you mentioned something about your scholarship, and this is important throughout all scholarships. There are certain specifics. Let's talk about Polk State, and you have to be, uh, or excuse me, in Polk County, you have to be a applicant that is in school or being homeschooled in Polk County. This is an important point because a lot of people pick up scholarships and apply for those scholarships. I'm wondering if you've ever seen this that they can't apply for because right there in bold letters it says you must be applying to a scholarship if you're within a Polk County school. I've heard this happens. It has this happened to you? Oh yeah, unfortunately it has, and it, it's. Uh it's, uh, it's sort of a bummer because uh, some of the best applications that I've seen have come from people that don't meet the basic requirements or, or haven't actually read the first sentence of the, uh, of the, the, the scholarship. Uh, we, uh, we try to make everything clear and we're always in the mode for constant improvement and, and that's, what we've, uh, that's what we've been doing. Uh, there's a lot of people, that, I shouldn't say a lot, there's several people that are in the scholarship. They don't even reside in Polk County. They actually commute, if you will, uh, to the Central Florida Aerospace Academy, which is in Polk County, uh, and thereby uh, they meet the requirements for the scholarship since they're attending a Polk County high school. So again, this is an important point. Read the application. Read the paperwork. Uh, and would, do you have any idea, maybe percentage-wise, how many applicants you get that that you cannot even look at their paperwork because of the fact that they're, say, not even within a Polk County, County school? Uh, it would be a small percentage of them. Uh, thankfully, it's not a lot. Uh, and it's, uh, it's good that it's not a lot because, as I mentioned, some of the best applications, uh, someone went through 
great pains to put a beautiful application together and have everything perfect, uh, only not to meet the most basic requirements uh, in, in order to do that. So thankfully it's a small percentage and uh, we hope to continue to be able to refine the paperwork uh, such that it's uh, even more readily apparent so someone doesn't spend a lot of their time. What do you say to someone like that when they apply and you say, boy, this is a great application, but you know, you just can't apply for this one. What do you, what do, you do in that case? And, and I'm wondering if other scholarship uh, do uh, well, the same thing. Gr- great objective. Um, our objective is to see to that someone does receive a scholarship. So sometimes what happens um, on the occasions as you get those, uh, I'll communicate with the person, with the applicant, and I'll say, well, are you planning on being a Polk County high school student on such and such a date? Is that why you've sent the application in now in anticipation of that? Uh, I try to look for avenues where they would meet the requirements, uh, maybe not necessarily in that, in that particular quarter, but uh, down the line, um, because it's our intent to, uh, and our objective to see uh, as many people receive scholarships uh, that are deserving of them and meet the requirements as we can, as we can do. So the person gets this process and and finishes their application and it's all correct. Um, Let's talk about how or or what the person can do, an applicant do, uh, during the process to make sure that they are awarded that scholarship. How does someone become a successful applicant for a scholarship? Uh, Excellent question. Um, I would say paramount would be communicate. Uh, I can't tell you how many times we've received applications that uh, might be missing a document or were otherwise incomplete. And uh, in our scholarship, uh, really, because we're all volunteers, uh, we're not so much set up to field telephone calls, so email's the primary method of communication for the scholarship. So. Uh, on occasion, you'll receive an application that you can't read the email address because it hasn't been written clearly, or they haven't included a phone number. And then when you go to email them, uh, the email bounces back, and then you start this investigative process asking if any, asking around if anyone knows this person, could they possibly communicate with them and let them know that the scholarship can't seem to communicate with them. Uh, other times what happens is we do have a valid email address and we do have a valid phone number and I will contact them uh, we'll contact them for either setting up that appointment uh, or to let them know that we will take a better look at their application once it's complete any number of times unfortunately that's it you never hear anything again Uh, or in other instances uh, you'll get uh, um, you'll you'll get an email back and say, well, what is it that's missing from my application? And um, I'm sure we'll probably uh, speak about this later on. But remember, we're trying to pick the best people for the available scholarships. There's not an unlimited supply of scholarships. So if someone comes in 
And our application is really simple. All it does is it asks for uh, the applicant's name and contact information, uh, at least one of the parents' names and their contact information, which scholarship they want, a copy of their transcripts, uh, a one-page, uh, can be handwritten, uh, uh, sort of essay as to why they want to uh, have a scholarship and why they want to be involved in aviation, and a letter of recommendation. And that's pretty much it. So when someone doesn't complete an application and uh, we let them know that and then the communication that you get back is, well, what's missing? You have to sort of, from the scholarship's percept uh, perception, say to yourself, is this person really ready to be a private pilot when they can't complete three simple things that are on that scholarship. So uh, uh, I would say that that's uh, uh, one of the most important things is to communicate when you're being communicated with and to try to put yourself in the perspective of the scholarship that you're applying for. So if, if I'm, I'm trying to understand this here, if they're applying and they're not doing it, putting the application together correctly, uh, that's a challenge for you and for the applicant, but it also may even weed them out. Uh, if you've seen all these other folks out there that are, are putting the application together correctly, that might you might say, hey, wait a minute, this person even can't, can't even get the paperwork correct. Uh, how many of those, I'm wondering if you know the answer to this, percentage-wise, say, have not been able to fill out the form correctly or fill out the application correctly. So if I understand your question right, what percentage of the applicants would you say have not properly completed an application? Probably 25%. 25%, wow. And, and you know, it's interesting because one of the things that I've always told people is that, you know, to, to do well in life, you can beat 80% of the people by just showing up. Uh, in this case, you can beat 25% by just filling out the application correctly. And and that's extremely important from, from what you've said. The, the other thing, too, and this is advice I give people, and I'd like to hear your opinion on this, is I always tell people to be brutally on, honest on your application. Uh, be honest with yourself, specifically. But, but when you're applying for a scholarship, uh, if you're not interested in that scholarship, you're just doing this to, to say you've gotten a scholarship, uh, maybe you shouldn't be applying for it. So be honest with yourself and be honest in the application because it, it shows, I think, you know, in your essay, you know, why why you want to be a pilot, that type of thing. Because I, I get a lot of letters, but there are some people that write write very well and uh, and may not be interested at all. Yeah, uh, I, I I couldn't agree more. Um, although thankfully it hasn't happened too many times, uh, you'll read um, an applicant's essay and and remember we're really it, we're not asking probing questions or uh, invasive sort of things at all. We're very top level. We just want your contact information. And sometimes what'll happen is you'll read an application and you'll you'll read the essay. And the person will uh, espouse that uh, they live and breathe aviation since uh, they've uh, been of uh, five years of age and they wake up thinking about airplanes and then uh, go to sleep thinking about airplanes, live and breathe airplanes and aviation all day long. And then when you ask them what's your favorite airplane and they can't even name one airplane, you have to say to yourself, hmm, gee, what I'm 
getting here while we're speaking versus what they wrote on the application uh, on their essays there's a disconnect somewhere so so to your point yeah they need to be honest to themselves is this something that they really want to do um, because there is a commitment in, uh, and again I can only speak to our scholarship but but there is a commitment and there are expectations that the scholarship does have of the recipients and uh, it's sort of a um, if you want to call it a mutual expectation in, in our regard because we want to help once they do receive that uh, scholarship we want to help see them through it and help them over any bumps they may encounter en route. So is there other than that point you know filling out the scholarships uh, correctly the application is there anything else someone should not do uh, you know what would you do to uh, or what shouldn't you do when, you, when you're applying for a scholarship? Um, what shouldn't you do when you're applying? Well, first off, uh, you, uh, it, it's sort of back to the other, uh, the antithesis of uh, what we just spoke of, and that is what you shouldn't do is fill it out in pencil so that you can't read it, uh, not follow the directions. For example, uh, our application uh, very simply says, hey, either email it to this email address uh, or uh, mail it to this snail mail address. So more than once, unfortunately, what's happened is I'll get a voicemail from someone and they'll say, hey, I dropped off my application over at such and such about two months ago and I haven't heard anything. How come you guys aren't telling me anything at this point. And unfortunately, more often than not, when they drop it off somewhere, we don't necessarily receive it. So you really need to follow directions. And back to the point of us all being volunteers, the other side of the coin is when, we, when someone says, hey, I dropped my application off at such and such, well, that just leads us all to spend a lot of time on what sometimes turns out to be a wild goose chase because I'll be driving around and stopping in various different places saying, hey, did you see an application from so-and-so? And, -so? and uh, it's not good for anyone. Just follow the directions that are in the scholarship. And it goes back to the same thing. One of the questions and one of the things that, that we hit on that's uh, an important point for us in the uh, decision-making process is how did the person go through the application process and they're in effect graded on that so if we received an application that was sort of balled up that was left somewhere that wasn't compliant with the directions and well we all know that to fly we we need to comply with the rules and regulations and and uh, everything of that nature so right off the bat gee why does this person think that the rules don't apply to them and they don't have to follow directions so they've got a strike right off the bat that's regardless of how nice the application might be even even if they've done a great job there because why did they think they didn't need to comply with the directions 
You know, that, that is an awesome point, and, and probably the better question is, is not what you should not do, but what common errors do you see uh, during the application process, which is what you've given us. Uh, interestingly enough, say you want to become an airline pilot, the application process is so very important, uh, and this is, this is small compared to that application process at an airline. If the airline says that you need to fill out this certain form in blue ink, and you fill it out in black ink, they actually won't look at your application from there on in. It's a simple direction, but it's amazing how many people are, are cut out because of that. So this is helping you. By doing this application, it's helping you in the future when you might start applying for the airlines. Not just the airlines, but any other job that's out there. Because there's many jobs that you have, you have a long application process for. Uh, it's not necessarily the same as when you're going to a local friend's house and you're applying for a job breaking leaves. This is a this is a big corporation where they have a huge process that you're going to apply for. Hopefully, one day after getting one of these scholarships. So that's some uh, some really good points. Any other uh, common errors that you might think of, or is that sure? Okay, sure. sure. Any? There's, there's certainly there's certainly common errors. Um, uh, and I don't know if we can lump them into errors or choices that people have made. Sometimes people choose that after we communicate with them to set up an appointment to get together to speak about the scholarship um, you might not get a response could be for months and of course then when we do receive that after several months we have to say to ourselves gee how interested is this person in that or um, in our instance uh, if, for example, the parents take over the application process and we never get to interact with the applicant, the person who's applying for the scholarship, um, we don't know how that person who the app, who's the applicant is going to be able to do simple things like setting appointments up. Uh, you know, more than once, it's pretty clear who's filled the application out and it's not necessarily the applicant uh, because sometimes they're actually written in the third person my son likes to this or my son does this so really um, it sort of falls back again into try to look at whatever it is that you're filling out from the perspective of the particular scholarship that you're attempting to receive because that kind of uh, thought process could give you insight into uh, maybe helping you get a leg up on the competition for that scholarship. Other uh, sort of common errors would be uh, data, uh, providing transcripts that are a year too old. Well, that of course is going to raise a red flag. Why did they not give me the up-to-date? And then unfortunately when that happens, more often than not, when we finally get the current transcripts, Son of a gun, they're less than a 2.75 minimum GPA, and then you understand why. But the bad part about that is, is that, at least in our scholarship, one of the requirements is that you need to be of good moral character and remain of good moral character. And if someone sends an application in, and then we come to find out after, again, spending a lot of time back and forth trying to get the person to understand they need to send up-to-date transcripts um, and then it finally comes out at the end they were trying to sort of secrete the fact that uh, they had less than a 2.75 many of them 
next semester or next year, then apply for the scholarship again and the name looks familiar and you look it up and you say, huh, okay, well, what's up with this person? Wow. So right off the bat, uh, and that goes, that goes to what you said, Carl, which was uh, be very honest in there because it really is doing no one any good. And yeah, everyone, a lot of people sometimes have uh, an issue scholastically and you work through it, but why sort of scar yourself for the future in that same scholarship? Uh, other uh, issues, please write legibly. Preferably it will be typed, but please, please write legibly because if we can't read your phone number and can't read your email, we can't communicate with you. If you do receive an email, please answer it timely. Please respect the time frames that are on the application and also understand that um, uh, there's sort of no other way to say it. The scholarship is a grant. It's not a right. So understand going into it that all the sort of special things that you would like done for your application, that doesn't necessarily work. So if you've got special requirements, yeah, we can try up to a degree, of course, to, to try to accommodate you. But when someone says, well, I don't want to have to do this in six months, it's going to take me 10 months, and you need to change the scholarship to fit that, or the school that I want to go to charges more than what I think you're going to give me, so you need to give me more uh, funding for my... We can't do things like that. And uh, um, it, it's not easy for us to... to to vary, if you will, uh, especially we're, we're driven by the board of directors and uh, uh, we all need to uh, comply with the rules of the road. And, and yes, we all do, and especially in aviation, we always need to comply with the rules of the road. So that that's some great stuff. Boy, I, I tell you, Mark, I really appreciate this as far as learning how you know what to do and what not to do. But uh, and I appreciate you, know, you asking too, because <laughs> we really want to do a lot of scholarships for the right people. And and you know what's interesting is the people that are are involved in scholarships and the people that are giving away scholarships they want you to have that scholarship they really care about you so, so you meet them halfway do the right thing get the things out the application done properly uh, you know going back I get people ask me this question all the time if I have something like an arrest or something like that will it show up in my record when I'm applying to an airline uh, yes eventually it's going to and and it doesn't sometimes at first amazingly enough mm -hmm. but if you're into your job six weeks and it comes up, you know what's going to happen? You put on your application, you did not have that. Same thing here. Make sure you're honest when you're filling these out. Yeah, and, and, and to, to one of the other questions, uh, to, just to complete that question, uh, the application process is one part of the scholarship. The other part of the scholarship is after you've received the scholarship, and you need to continue to comply with the requirements of the scholarship. So... Unfortunately, in some instances, it becomes a, a learning process for some, and for whatever the reason, there'll be non-compliance, and uh, then when that happens, if that causes an issue with the retention of the scholarship, sometimes people don't understand why they couldn't be treated specially different than the rest of the world. So try to comply with the rest of the scholarship, do your best, um, and go back again to the same thing, communicate. Unfortunately, 
many times after someone receives a scholarship, we try to communicate with them and then they don't return phone calls, don't answer emails, things like that. And then we need to track down the flight training provider and let the flight training provider know that this applicant, that this recipient actually is uh, now on hold on their scholarship uh, until they're able to communicate with us. Interesting. You know, and one of the things I like to do is is kind of do like the Oreo cookie process. We've talked about some good things and bad things here, and, and, and I don't want to get too negative here as far as the scholarship process, but this is really important, and I hope you folks will bear with us. We're going to talk about one more thing that I think is a negative, and then I want to go into a couple positives there's to close this out. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of positives here. Uh, first of all, uh, I've heard this from others, and I think I've heard from you. There are certain scholarships that are awarded and go unused. Have you had that experience? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, in our particular scholarship, uh, currently, once you receive the scholarship, uh, you need to begin your flight training within 90 days. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and in our instance, 90 days means 90 days. If after you receive the scholarship, you're not able to find the time or for whatever the reason, um, don't begin your training and in our instance when we talk about uh, beginning the training going and ordering a book from Amazon that doesn't really count as beginning your training in our instance when you take your first flight lesson so unfortunately what has happened is more than once someone will receive a scholarship and then six months later You'll get a phone call or an email or whatever. They'll say, yeah, I've been really busy the last six months, and um, uh, I'm going to start training over at such and such flight school, and uh, is there anything else that I need to do? And then I tell them, yeah, you need to reapply because your scholarship uh, has lapsed because you didn't comply with the requirements of it. So as far as the number that go unused, uh, this is another point, too. If you can apply for a scholarship, please use them because uh, when that money is allocated, you yes. don't use that money for anything else, correct? That's correct, right. Okay. How many percentage-wise, do you have any idea how many small it might? Small percentage, thankfully. Um, it's, a, it's a small percentage because it, you know, it, not only is it wasting the applicant's time, it's wasting the whole... Uh, all the people's time uh, that are involved in the scholarship, and as you mentioned, it can potentially tie the dollars up that could have uh, could have gone somewhere else. Uh, but thankfully, it it doesn't happen too often. So there are many scholarships that go unused in general. How about your experience as far as within your pool of scholarships? Uh, are there any that go unused? Okay, um, maybe we need to better define unused. Uh, unused from the aspect of they received it and never began it that would be a small percentage very small percentage thankfully um, and then the other sort of unused if you will uh, would fall into the category of uh, not training consistently regularly uh, we really like to see people take a lesson no less than two times per week preferably three or four. We all know that uh, everyone learns at a different pace. Nevertheless, almost invariably, if someone, for example, takes a lesson on January the 15th and then takes w their next lesson on March the 15th, the likelihood is, is that they're going to have to repeat uh, most, if not all, of that 
first lesson that they took. So that's not efficient. It's uh, not necessarily a good use of the scholarship funds. And um, invariably, most times if someone's going to train like that, they're not going to be able to continue to meet the requirements of the scholarship and they will have uh, caused the uh, discontinuation of the scholarship themselves. Interesting. This is some great stuff. Uh, you know, what happens, though, say you, you have applied for a scholarship and you're turned down. Uh, what advice would you have to somebody who's actually been turned down for one? Uh, find out why. If it's a matter of grades, uh, the, the cure for that's sort of obvious. Uh, if it's uh, a geographic thing, a residency uh, requirement, um, there have actually been people in our scholarship uh, that have applied and uh, could not meet the most basic requirements of being Polk County uh, high school student, and they actually move or they'll start to commute to uh, a Polk County high school uh, in order to, to, to meet that requirement. Find out why. Stay in touch with the people that you can and see if they can help out as to, well, what went wrong here? How could I do better the next time? That's some great advice. I mean, we do that when we're instructing, too, and we're, we're learning, you know, what can I do better in the maneuver, et cetera. Uh, also, as far as the number of scholarships, is there any advice you would have as far as the number of scholarships you should apply for? Um, I know that, say, you're looking for one to get your private pilot, but uh, should you just put out 10 scholarships for trying to be awarded that type of scholarship or just do one at a time i mean uh there i guess that's that same philosophy how many colleges do you apply for when you when you start looking at colleges uh is do you have any advice there for people like how many they should apply to well in in our instance we would hope that uh if you did receive the scholarship uh from the james c ray scholarship fund it would certainly be our hope that regardless of what other scholarships you may or may not have that you've set aside adequate time uh, in order to be able to uh, uh, do your training uh, and uh, also comply with the good faith pledge that is part of our scholarship, uh, which does uh, have you agreeing that you're going to train regularly. Going back to being turned down for a scholarship, too. Remember, there's a lot of people that apply for scholarships and don't get them. There's uh, and don't th there may not be something wrong with you. Like you said, find out what what you did, what you could do better. But there's a there might be many many people applying for their scholarships and you don't get them. And I know Eric Crump. He's the aerospace director. You know, he was turned down for half the scholarships he applied for. So you know, all the people that are out there applying aren't going to get them. And that's just the way life is. You know, so you just you keep moving moving forward. You keep knocking on doors. You know what? When you apply for your jobs, not everybody is going to hire you. And it's going to be the same thing with the scholarships. So don't don't think there's anything wrong with you. I, you know, when I first got out of college, I applied to almost 100 different uh, jobs and got turned down. It was incredible. It was like a tough time coming out of school. I was like, what's wrong with me? I had plastered all my rejection letters on the on my doorway. But, oh, how did uh, that make it? And the, oh, it was, it was awesome. It was, uh, but, but you know what? I, I went out and I said, what am I doing wrong? And when I found a place where I could apply and actually put myself in the door, I was able to get the job right away. I was just doing a blanket application. And someone said, hey, it's just such a generic uh, letter that you're sending. Don't do that. And uh, I learned from that process and moved forward. Uh, as far as what to do when, when you're awarded a scholarship, our last question, two questions here. Uh, what should someone do once they're awarded that scholarship to be able to keep that scholarship? Uh, I know you mentioned that keep training, et cetera. Uh, where, in general, 
And I think one of the things you're going to say is, is figure out what you need to do to comply with that scholarship while you've been, as you've been awarded it and while you've been awarded it. So what are some other things they can do to keep the scholarship yeah. that they've been awarded? Yeah. And, and another good question, Carl. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and uh, we've spoken a lot about some of the negatives and some of the sort of requirements. I'm hoping we're also going to get to a lot of the positives because I can't tell you how many there are and what a pleasure it is to see people get scholarships and achieve the goals and objectives that they have. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> Just, you, know, you know, what to do when you're awarded the Yeah, okay, sorry. What to do when you're awarded the scholarship. Great question. Um, in our instance, we actually have uh, what we like to call, uh, and it's actually entitled, a good faith pledge. And in the good faith pledge, it has what our expectations are of you. Things like keeping your GPA up uh, to where it belongs, uh, remaining of good moral character, uh, going prepared to your flight lessons, uh, flying and learning efficiently. Uh, in other words, uh, uh, when you get to your flight training provider for your lesson and the wind's blowing at 100 knots, Maybe speaking up and being the pilot in command and saying, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Instructor, could we not do those landing, that landing practice today because I think it's a bit over my head. Taking charge of things, that's all part of our scholarship is sort of becoming the pilot in command of your life, uh, not only just the aircraft. That's a great analogy. I like that. I think it's the name of my next book, The Pilot Command of Your Life. That, that's awesome. Uh, you know, let's get to a couple of the positives here. I always like to end on a positive. And uh, one of the things that I think is really cool, and let me just give you my perspective, is I just saw a scholarship recipient, and she was beaming. I mean, she was so happy uh, that she was awarded this scholarship. I got to meet with her father a couple days ago, and uh, it's really, really changed her life. Uh, what, what have you seen? Uh, in, in your experience, yes. uh, and what what have you seen when you've seen people that are awarded these scholarships? Have you seen changes in their lives? Uh, absolutely, positively. Um, I have yet to see a change for the negative. Uh, the positives are uh, really, really great. Uh, you know, during the the flight training process, there's uh, there's discipline. Uh, there needs to be sort of granularity, uh, and um, there, there needs to be structure. And uh, some of these young adults that are in the scholarship, uh, they're very, they could possibly be very introverted and uh, maybe not, uh, not the top of the social elite at their school. Uh, and you just see this change that comes over some of them over time that I myself, and, and I think some others as well, is over and above the normal maturation process that you would see uh, uh, otherwise. Um, they go sometimes, again, from introverted to people that take charge to people that all of a sudden are speaking up loudly and clearly, uh, people that are talking to the air traffic controllers like they're uh, uh, captains over at JetBlue, or it's really, uh, if, if you got to meet some of these young adults from the first time, and if you were really lucky and got to fly with some of them, 
it's just shocking the changes and and we've been so lucky uh, it <clears throat> our scholarship is great because it's not only uh, the James C. Ray Scholarship Fund um, that makes it all work. It's all the volunteers that are in it. It's the board, and it's also Sun and Fun. Uh, Sun and Fun is a huge partner in in this uh, in our entire scholarship. Uh, we wouldn't be able to do it without them. They're always there when we need them. Uh, they help out any way they possibly can. They work hand in hand with us, and they're on the same path. Um, they've recently started the uh, Aviation Center for Excellence. Uh, any number of things. They're very focused on education and the future of aviation, as our scholarship is. And they're just one of the best partners that there that there could be. And some of the uh, some of the recipients uh, and some of the future applicants will volunteer over at Sun and Fun, and even though there's uh, a good number of people involved in our scholarship as far as recipients go, um, it's sort of a a family thing, if you will. We're all in it together. We all want to see these young adults succeed, and we want to help them uh, reach their goals and objectives in their life. Um, the it, it's very very heartening to see the progress that have made that's been made it's it's a great feeling when parents come up to you that maybe you met at that uh, meeting six months or a year before and they tell you how they were so worried about their child uh, maybe not going anywhere or having problems in school and now all of a sudden they're not only into the flying but their grades are up uh, they've got a different outlook on life, and um, it's so fortunate to be able to be part of that process. Uh, and, you know, uh, to your other question, if you do get a scholarship and if it's something like ours, the best results that we've always had are the ones that the parents get involved with it. Uh, where the parents are there for their child to help them through the process. We can try to help but we don't see them as much as the parents do. They don't go home to the parent, um, you know, to us, they go home to the parents. And the parents are really, uh, they can really make or break that scholarship for that young adult. Because if the parents aren't there for them, it makes it so much more difficult for the scholarship recipient to pull through. I just can't overemphasize the importance of the parents and I, really look forward to interacting with the parents who are into seeing their child make it through and get their private pilot certificate or maybe they just want to go as far as solo that's great too because soloing couldn't be a life-changing experience absolutely positively you know as you were speaking about this scholarship something i realized is you weren't really talking about aviation you were talking about the incredible life skills that somebody will actually be able to learn through these scholarships through aviation this may not and you know we talk about that a lot here on the podcast you need to do what what that you want to do in life what is your passion Aviation you'll have for the rest of your life. If you become a pilot, that'll always be on your resume. You may find out that you don't want to be an airline pilot. You want to be an engineer. 
But you know what? This 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 flying scholarship, this ability to to move forward in your career by being able to speak up, like you said, to be able to get those life skills, will be something you can use for the rest of your life. And and that alone is incredibly important. I think is what's wonderful about about the James C. Ray. Because uh, I was going to ask you why in the world do you do this? You spend all this time uh, doing this scholarship. I've seen you. I've seen you working on this. Uh, but but now I think I know the answer to that. You know, it's the results and, and the changes you see Absolutely. in all these young people. It's, it's very rewarding. And um, uh, our benefactor, uh, Mr. Ray, Mr. James Ray, uh, he wants to see these young adults have a positive, life-changing experience. That is his motivation. And uh, it, it's uh, so uh, philanthropic, and it's uh, such a good thing because... These young adults really do change for the positive, and there's so it changed my life when I went to Camp Solo at Bangor, Maine. In Bangor, Maine, when I was 14, 15 years old, it uh, I can think I can clearly recall the change that I went through, and the change that I went through was initially it helped me see that I can't just think two or three seconds ahead. I need to plan further and not just look over the end of my nose and think about the consequences of doing different things. And that certainly helped me in life. And one of the first things that one of my first instructors told me was that uh, never stop flying the plane, never give up. And that helped guide me in in many aspects of my life because it it held true in, in so many other things. That's a great testament. Just your own is a great testament to, to have why you should try to be awarded a scholarship, why you should try to get into aviation. Uh, and uh, you didn't fly as an airline pilot, uh, but you've been a pilot all your life. And uh-huh. uh, But it's been you've been successful, I think, and a key part was because of your aviation background. So uh, we really appreciate, guys, you talking to us, Mark. I know we don't have much time left, but uh, before we go, uh, since we are talking about the James C. Ray Scholarship, we always have a scholarship of the week. Of course, this week, it's the James C. Ray Glider Scholarship. I normally describe it. I'm going to let you describe it. But also, uh, one other thing you may let me know about before I got here is the fact that we need to update some of the scholarships on our website. And and you brought up a good point. I'm not sure folks realize this, but the scholarships you see on there are actually just the free scholarships guide that we have out there. We have 60 scholarships. We have a whole bunch behind the door that are also under the premium version of our of our website. And uh, and the reason it's a premium version is because you know I have somebody that works full time putting this out there. so we do have other scholarships on the outside, on the inside, on the on the premium side. So we're going to make sure that every single James C. Ray scholarship is in either the free version or on the paid version. And again, to make it accessible and and to make it easy to get to, we've made it five dollars a month where you can cancel it at any time. So if all you want to get out there is take a look at what scholarships are there, it's only five dollars to download it. We're going to have the ebook coming out hopefully December, January. The ebook will be finished. And uh, right now, we're just trying to put the team together to get the rest of the other 400 scholarships into wow. that directory. That, that's uh, quite a challenge. How, it, uh, it, you're it, also going to need to it, be able to update them because I know our scholarship changes. And that's the other part of it, is that part of uh, the funding that goes into this and the, and the, the sponsors of this podcast uh, know that all this time is spent 
not just putting them out there, but we also have some that goes through every single scholarship to update them. And, uh, you know, for instance, some of the scholarships, uh, like the uh, Helicopter Association scholarships, uh, they are only during a specific time of the year. And a lot of times they don't tell you uh, when it's coming out, but then they send us an email. It's like, oh, we got to get on the website and, and update that. That's why it's so important to get a scholarships guide that's kept up to date all the time. And uh, it's a huge it's a huge undertaking. Uh, we spend at least 20 hours a week on this right now. I, I can't uh, and, imagine. And it's a full-time job. And uh, and that's why, you know, if, if you do get a chance, take a, a look at our website and click on our sponsors. And uh, if you're thinking about sponsoring our, our podcast, uh, you know, send us an email. We'd love to have you on. And, and uh, it'd be terrific. But uh, but tell us a little bit about the, the, let's go back to the Glider Scholarship, sure. what that is, and just name some of the other scholarships. Cause, uh, sure, just sure. Uh, And we'll put them in the link. On, sure, on this website sure. well our, our scholarships break basically broken down into uh, two different types uh, if it's your first scholarship uh, there's no choice other than to choose a solo scholarship and uh, what a solo scholarship is depending upon the one that you choose uh, the requirements are uh, primarily the same and that is that within a six-month period you need to solo and that means you needed to have completed your pre-solo written exam which is provided by your flight training provider you need to if for the certificate that you're seeking have an FAA medical certificate you need to have uh, uh, obtained one of those um, <clears throat> excuse me uh, in that six-month period uh, and of course if you're flying something that's a normally certificated aircraft you're going to need that medical certificate in order to be able to solo it you need to maintain your 2.75 GPA you need to maintain good moral character uh, and if I didn't say it you need to pass your FAA knowledge also known as the written exam uh, during that six-month period uh, that solo scholarship comes in sort of three different flavors uh, the first flavor is the uh, glider solo and uh, there's a, a finite dollar amount that uh, we calculated should uh, if uh, you want to call it the average person should be able to achieve uh, solo uh, with uh, the funding that's available for that in a glider uh, we all know everyone lo uh, learns at a different pace so as a scholarship we don't guarantee if you will that there's enough funding to pay you uh, pay for the funding uh, to reach solo but on average there's no reason that you wouldn't be able to uh, the three flavors of the solo scholarship are the glider solo uh, light sport aircraft solo and what we would call a private pilot solo and uh, the funding varies anywhere from three thousand up to five thousand dollars and in all instances you have six months to complete it um, the other type of scholarship that's available is uh, is called certificate scholarship and for example if you successfully completed your glider solo scholarship that would enable you to then apply for a certificate scholarship uh, you could choose at that point to uh, work towards your private pilot glider certificate um, the other certificate scholarships go hand in hand with the solo scholarships and that would be a light sport airplane scholarship and a private pilot airplane certificate scholarship 
Well, gosh, that's a, that's quite a few, you know, and that's uh, that's that's really neat that you have all those scholarships, and then they can pro- progress through those. Uh, and this is really interesting because it's the first time we've ever had someone on who's actually administering the scholarship talk about the scholarship. Uh, that is the the scholarship of the week. I appreciate that, Mark, and uh, and we're going to have all that information in the show notes for this episode, episode tw- uh, seventy four. Excuse me, at aviationcareerspodcast dot com slash seventy four. Mark, again, I appreciate your being here, and uh, you do some great work, uh, and it's. It's great what you folks do, and uh, you know these folks want to give you money, but you have to meet them halfway and, and go through the application process. They want to they want to make our future aviation uh, leaders and our future pilots uh, out there, and, and they're doing a wonderful job. Uh, you know, if you're listening to this now and you want to know how you can contribute, that's uh, simple. Just go to our uh, website and uh, just click on some of our sponsors on the right side of the page. Also, uh, consider an annual membership uh, that'll give you access to all the scholarships plus a lot of the other courses that we have online. Uh, the pilot jobs book and we also have the uh, practical guide to winter flying and uh, all the other seminars that i do the safety seminars are taped and we also put them out there on the website plus for free we have a lot of webinars on uh, aviation careers and they come out about once every other month uh, again mark appreciate your being here this has been terrific thanks so much uh if you know one other thing before we go uh, and i always tell you this do one thing one thing today that's going to move you forward in your career uh when you do that thing send us an email uh, if there's something that you've done, it might be uh, applying for a scholarship. It might be just searching a directory. It might be reading a manual. It might be getting a certificate, like your instrument rating. But do something. It can be a small thing. Do it now, and, and let us know about it. Or, you know what? Even if you don't let us know about it, share it with one of your friends. Uh, a big part of moving forward in life is keeping yourself motivated and, and remembering what your goals are. And remember, it's a varied path on the way towards your career goal. And you may have to change that direction quite often. But you know what? You'll get there. And I have faith you will. Folks, I really appreciate your listening. We'll talk to you next episode. And fly safe. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.